Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside and the host and producer of this podcast. We have something new in 2023. At the end of 2022, we recorded some community podcast episodes. That's members from the 1000 Hours Outside community who had something that they wanted to share on a podcast episode. We had hundreds of applicants and we chose some special guests who will be joining us throughout the year. In this episode, you'll hear from Lori and from Kelly who have brought outdoor programming to their local libraries. They are inspirational in several different ways and I know you'll get a lot out of listening to them. If you haven't already, please make sure you've subscribed to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast and left a review. It really helps. Enjoy learning from Lori and from Kelly. Here we go. Okay. Friends, I am so thrilled to welcome Lori Goins to our podcast. She is a fellow Michigander. We've been connected for a while. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. Well, you're bringing the grandma perspective and the librarian perspective to this episode, which I know people will be so thrilled about. And you're sitting amongst a bunch of books. I sure am. Stayed right at work today for this. That's <laughs> oh, perfect. I love books. Yeah, I think we're both connected in that spot. So before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Tell us about yourself and about where you're from. Okay, so I am a mom of three grown children. Um, my husband and I have uh, Zachary, Hannah, and Claire, who are now also bringing us beautiful grandchildren. Um, our that. grandchildren are Edsel, Leo, and brand new Cooper. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It has just been, um, fortunately, we lived in the South when we were raising our children. And so North Carolina and Texas are beautiful weather states, but I was not as knowledgeable about being outside as I am as a grandma. And Michigan brings a lot of challenges yeah. to grandma having snow pants and snow boots, which, you know, I always sent my husband out. <laughs> Please, honey, you take them. <laughs> yeah, but this is really so, neat. It is really neat that you are connecting with them in that way and making all those memories. Yes, it is. So and it is the difference that my daughter will see. I currently watch one of them, the oldest, which is Edsel. And the difference that my daughter sees even from him not going outside at Mimi's house to going outside at Mimi's house is incredible. And we've encouraged our son lives in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And they just had the big snow. And he was like, Mom, I'm right. just telling you the truth. If it wasn't for you constantly talking about being outside 1,000 hours, <laughs> he said, I don't know that we would take Leo out. So it's been really neat. And I have third daughter is our youngest. And she has the youngest. And she is the one that is sleeping hers outside in a stroller. Wow. So, you know, she's just like, here you go. Fresh air is good. Mom mm-hmm. says so. Get out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And that's what they do in other countries. Yes. And she's that's the a norm. advocate of, you know, I think everybody needs to be outside. Yeah. So, I, so that's where we've been all over. I grew up with my dad working for the airlines. So we were fortunate to have lots of travel 
And I have found that experiences that being outside, we grew up the lake, Lake Erie, and our summers were spent out all the time. So And need to see the influence of a grandma, of a Mimi, that yes. you can really still influence. I think sometimes we think, oh, we only have this one shot. We only have this one shot while our kids are growing up in our home. But our influence can continue to affect down the road and to our grandchildren. So that is very encouraging. It is such a joy. <laughs> yeah, and you're making it happen in a state where the weather in the winter can be really prohibitive. Yes. So this will be our first big winter. The kids are just going to be two. So this winter, we already have our sleds and our snow pants and the kids are all ready. But I am I'm super excited. We have a little creek that runs in our backyard. We're very local to parks, not as wonderful as the ones that are north of us, but we have the state park here and I don't like to take them out of the neighborhood. I just think if we can't figure out something, you know, in the yard, then we're just not Mm going to go. So we have a mud kitchen and my husband just had a huge pile of dirt brought in the back. So our house, we really have tried to adapt for them. Oh, that's really special. And I have had so many people talk about how their earliest and best childhood memories are with grandparents. So it's really neat what you're doing and encouraging. I see your posts a lot, your pictures, and I always love seeing them. Thank you. With the grandbabies. So the other part of your life here, a lot of Mimi things, but you're also at the library. You're a children's library programmer. So tell us about that. So Monroe County Library System is where we are, and it's a fabulous branch, a great system. We have 16 libraries. Since I've started the 1,000 Hours because of you and your program, I really wanted something to be done at our local level because I see what you see. Lots of indoor time. And I was just listening to your podcast when it talks about, you know, like we go into hibernation, like how we don't need to go into hibernation. We just need to wear good clothes. And Mm -hmm. so I just kept thinking if I can just touch some lives in this local community, maybe it'll catch on. Maybe there will be parents that'll be like, yeah, that's a great idea. No, I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. So it's been almost a year in the making. Um, This is our first winter out, but it's called Literacy on the Lawn. And the most important thing is that we share at least one, if not two stories read aloud outside. And it's amazing to me how we live, uh, railing is off of M50, which is a big road. And it's amazing. It can be silent when I start reading. They just are, they have their blankets, their pillows, their seats, all of their fun stuff out on the lawn. And then we read a story or two, and then we do an activity outside. And we had a local company donate stumps. So we have some stumps on our property that they can jump off of and have a little risky play. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, our back also is a big against the river raisin. So we have the scenery of the river and the geese that are in and out. We have fishermen that are in the river. We have wow. a beautiful property. Mm-hmm. So we can take nature walks. We have a rain garden and we have a butterfly garden on our property. So we can take nature walks with the children. So it has just been amazing. And the wow, moms, Lord. I think the best part is... When we had that summer in Michigan, when it was beautiful, the moms stood up and they were watching their kids. They were just playing. We have bug nets and magnifying glasses and they were just playing, making their own game. Mm -hmm. And the moms all looked at me and said, gosh, it's amazing how they thought of that. Like you didn't have to tell them the game. And do you know they act different when you do story time inside? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> the parents were just astonished by like the freedoms that the children seemed to have and how, you know, they worked it out. Nobody had to be the negotiator or the one that stepped mm-hmm. in and said, no, we can't do that. That's dangerous. They all just worked it out. And it's just so neat to see the parents say, oh, well, this really works. So mm-hmm. it has been exciting. Winter, last week on Thursday, we had snow. Mm-hmm. And so I only had two children. We run about 30. Wow, Lori. Wow. Yeah, it's an it's an awesome program. Yeah. Um, and it surely wouldn't have started without having you as mm. someone who has brought it to light and without having the grandchildren. I would have just mm. been like, yeah, that sounds good for somebody else. Right, right. <laughs> but we have your 1000 books here. We, you know, I try oh. and make a reading list for the parents. Mm-hmm. I've tried, you know, like scavenger hunts and we just do all kinds of things. Yeah. And 30 kids and then two showed up when it was cold. But at least two showed up. Right. No, and I was thrilled with the two. And they had on their snow pants and their hats and their mittens. And so we played balloons um, outside to represent our snow. And then we also did some Christmas bulbs that were glittery and just threw those around. But they had the most fun. We had pumpkins at Halloween time. And what we didn't use, we threw into the creek or the river. And the kids got the biggest kick out of, like, they got to throw their own pumpkin in the river oh yeah so, now so they come simple back and check. it is so, that's so fun yeah that's really fun for them something that they've never done I've never Correct. thrown a pumpkin in a river right. <laughs> yeah that's so fun so how was it okay so Lori when you brought it to the library to have this literacy on the lawn and I relate because actually part of my story is I really did have a hard time when our kids were young at the library program because they were constantly fighting over the toys and here and there they didn't want to do what they were supposed to do and it was kind of stressful to me as a young mom but to have it outdoors it takes away a lot of those issues that young children would have with each other. And so how did it go when you brought this up and went to implement it? Well, when I brought it up, fortunately, we have a wonderful supervisor here and she was like, sure, that sounds great. I don't know how you're going to do it, but go ahead. And the rest of the team just kind of got on board once I had suggested, let's just try it. And the beautiful thing is we can just try it. In Mm -hmm. six weeks, if it doesn't work, we just try a new program. So we're very fortunate that we can just try it. Right. And outdoor things tend to be inexpensive. Yes. And so it's not like you're building a new structure or anything like that. It's low commitment in terms of finances. And so like you said, if it doesn't work super well or the interest isn't there, you can scrap it and go on to something else. Just try it again. So they said yes, and you named it Literacy on the Lawn, which I love that It's Lori. Literacy on the Lawn with Lori. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I love that. So how did people in the community find out about it, and how has it changed since you started? So I still do preschool programming, which is inside, and um, I've found that my love is to be outside. So it's kind of a, ooh, what do I do for them? Ooh, what do I do? It's a give and take. It has been received very well. Initially, we were very concerned about being on the river with the children. There are preschoolers. And when you have preschoolers, you know, there's generally two more or three more underneath. So Mm -hmm. their ages we were concerned about. But they um, have done, I use caution tape. And like we sit down and go over the rules of you are not allowed. Like there's not many rules because that's Miss Lori doesn't like a lot of rules because Mm -hmm. we are outside. So there are a few rules such as you cannot go to the river without a grown 
blown up, you know? And so right. I put up the caution tape just to give them a visual. Mm-hmm. And so that seemed to work really well. And then the parents were really on board with like, oh, she's she's just going to kind of give us a, a go ahead. And I think that anything that they can implement at home is mm-hmm. so... I mean, if I can take them outside and show them that balloons can pretend to be snowflakes and they can replicate that at home, how mm-hmm. amazing and what right. a great thing. And even just the thought of taking your reading time outside on the lawn. You know, you come home from the library with a bag of books. That's how it always was with us. Yes. And to think, oh, I don't have to read all of these in the living room. I could take a blanket outside, just like how we do it at Literacy on the Lawn with Lori. Yes. You know, or we, I could take them to the park with me, a couple books. And while we're sitting around, we can read too, or just have them available for the kids to look through for early literacy. And so that puts the idea in everyone's minds. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing was you saw that those parents now are, are becoming a group of friends, you know, like they now bring their snack and their chair and, you know, they're bringing their blankets and they're sharing their ideas with one another. And they're watching the kids jump off of the logs and, you know, they're running around now because it's cold out. And so the parents are participating in what we're doing. Yes. What a way to foster community because there's a little bit more space. I think that's the difference. When you have young kids, you can hardly finish a sentence kids have needs and you're being distracted all the time by caring for your kids. And so that's a good thing. But when you step outside, there's a little bit more space. There might not be a ton, but they pick up the net, like you said, and they start to play. And so you have a little bit more opportunity to build a friendship with someone else because there might be a little bit extra time in there to finish a sentence. There's not a whole lot of, you know, like we have a bin of corn that we take out in the fall, you know, or a bin of sand in the summer, you know, just to give them a little bit more sensory. Because I used to do a sensory program. This kind of has taken its place Mm -hmm. post-COVID. So this has just been, you know, they find their own pine cones to do their own. We have a glue board in the middle of the library where it's bringing the outside in. Anybody can add something. The glue is set out, you know. So our glue board is out there with only things that are nature related so and try to just bring that I have a you know like in my office I have a stick because we're going to paint a stick and do a story I have a bag of pine cones sitting next (laughs) to me you know anything my husband laughed I took the neighbors um he had all of his twigs wrapped up so nice so that the recycling men could just pick them up I stopped I saw I was going home and I saw him out there I was like he cut all the spikes off the twigs I grabbed three bundles and took them you're pathetic (laughs) what a (laughs) fine (laughs) We can make lean-tos. We can make lean-tos. Are you kidding? Yeah. And it's, so it's a low cost of entry it to is. try. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just been so much fun. Yeah. So yes. So if parents or other librarians are interested, what advice would you give them? Do it. Just do it. And know that the bug catchers are not expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. I could just set out bug catchers and magnifying glasses and maybe some glue and some twigs. And those kids, they're incredible to me. They know how to play if we let them play. They do. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do but I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. 
We had a somewhat last minute get together recently and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside 120. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. And then, then you could put out some books about insects. All of these different things that you're learning about. If you made lean-tos, you could put out books about building shelters. Do you have some favorites? Um, goodness, probably too many to name. And I, <laughs> I didn't come prepared. Like I was just reading. So I just picked up this book. Uh-huh. Pick a Pine Tree. Oh, and as that's I was, beautiful. I know. And as I was sitting here looking at Pick a Pine Tree, it talks about the friends all come together and they look at how beautiful these pages are. I mean, wow. So they decorate a Christmas tree. But I thought I'm going to find a pine tree out on our property and mm-hmm. we're going to make some things that the birds can eat. And I thought I will read this story to the outside. And that's just my brain works. You know, mm-hmm. I will read this story and we will decorate a tree for the birds. This is in- Inside the mind of a child librarian programmer. (laughs) It's the best job ever, ever. I've taught and this is just the best job ever. But yeah, so there's just some really, gosh, I could name gazillions of them, but I can't think of one. Mm -hmm. You know how that goes. But like I was just reading that one. There was another one called The Quiet Christmas and it was about being quiet. And I thought when it snows, how beautiful would it be just to have that and how the earth changes? Mm hmm. And the snow absorbs the sound. That's why it's so quiet. So there's so many things to learn about science and about history and about geography and all of these different things through the study of outdoor nature topics. So what a great way to pair literacy and being outside and to help parents because that's really libraries are such a help to parents, a huge help, especially when they're young. We went to the library all the time for help. 
for something to do, for ideas. And so really influencing culture and parenting. It's awesome what you're doing. It is so much fun. Yeah, it's really neat. Okay, so then tell us a little bit just about yourself, about what have you experienced in your own life outside that has helped shape you? I think growing up, we grew up at the lake. So I think growing up at the lake, my dad was a huge advocate for adventure. Um, He has passed away, but he always adored the moon. And so he would like my sister and I, he would be like, the moon comes out of the lake tonight. So that's, so I think that part of that has always been instilled in me, but I think you forget it as you're raising your children and the busyness of life. And my dad used to take my kids on adventures and they would walk in the marina and they would be taking this huge hike and he would just use words to visualize, okay, so we're on a hike and we're going down this side of the mountain and what do you think we'll find? You know, so they always, and my mom always said when she was holding them and rocking them, I'm taking you to the park today and we are going to to, you know, and so I think that I wow. had storyteller parents. And I think that that and being outside has just been, like I said, in me, but yet, you know, Mm -hmm. you get older and your husband goes out with them to sled and you're home taking care of the dishes and the meal and all of those things. And I think we sell ourselves short with some of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an even an interesting part that, I mean, I do the same thing at certain times where you give it off to the other parent and then you kind of miss out on the adventure too. So that's inspiring to look out for those times and to make sure that where we can, that we join in as well. And that the storytelling really makes life bigger than life. Like if you're just rocking the baby, but you're telling this story of adventure, we can add so much grandness to our life without even going anywhere. I mean, that's the point of a book. Right. Right. And I just remember Mm -hmm. those were just things that, you know, my mom and my dad both did. And those are things that I hope. And I think 1000 Hours Outside has helped me to instill that, I hope, into the kids now that we're, you know, taking a book. And I read to them now. We're reading Little House on the Prairie. We just take it outside when they're there and I'll read a chapter or two, even if they're not listening, because I know the importance of them hearing those words as well. Right. This is so awesome what you're doing, literacy on the lawn. And I think that whether or not parents get involved with doing this at their own library, it's just a point of taking your literacy on the lawn within your own family, within your own school classroom, a kindergarten classroom, take your books outside because there's all of these things that are happening, even when you're just sitting there, the natural light, the sound, the surround sound, and all of those things that help us feel better as people. so So I love what you're doing and I've got to come one please of these days. Do. I got to make it. Please do. I would be honored for you to come play. That would be super fun. Um, okay. So Lori, we always end our podcast with a favorite memory of yours from childhood that was outside. Favorite memory of mine from childhood. I think it was when we traveled, we went to Colorado and my dad pulled off the side of the road and he said, "We." I, I remember us being dressed nicely. He worked for the airlines and he said, we're just going to go. We had like tarps. I don't even know if it was sleds per se, but we went out, got out of the car and sledded down a hill. And it was just one of those like happenstance and that's what we did. And I will remember it was warm, but yet there was snow Mm -hmm. and it was just, I think that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I didn't care about the clothing. It was just time for adventure and you did it. That is so beautiful. 
Well, Lori, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for this inspiration. I think a lot of us are going to go have some literacy on the lawn moments. Even better if someone's name starts with L. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we're going to do it anyway. And I, I really appreciate that. And for the grandmas out yes. there, as much as you can, get out with the grandbabies and know that they will always remember those experiences and they're very meaningful. Very true. Very true. Jenny, thank you so much for your time and for what you're doing. Thank you for the inspiration. So great nice to meet to you on here. Okay, here we go. I am so thrilled to welcome Kelly Konechki to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jenny. I'm excited to be here. So we've connected actually quite a while ago. We're in the same state, which is really fun and actually not all that far from each other. But you've been doing some really neat things. I love that you have your chart on the wall behind you, by the way. That is fantastic. Yeah. You're doing a lot of really cool things, but some really cool things with your library. But just before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from? Absolutely. So I live in Gross Point Park, um, which is in Metro Detroit, with my husband and my 12-year-old daughter and lots of pets. (laughs) We are animal lovers, so we have two cats, we have a parakeet, uh, bearded dragon, you know, we've always... so fun. (laughs) Yeah. My daughter has always been interested in animals and specifically bugs, too. I remember her second birthday was a bug-themed birthday party. (laughs) Isn't that amazing how their interests come out so young like she was two and you already knew that's incredible yeah it was pretty amazing so we've always had that interest and supported her in those ways and we're in our second year of homeschooling which is I would say pretty brand new to us still Mm -hmm. like we're still finding our rhythm and and um, where we are in this journey but so much of what we found through your program and a lot of the books that you've, of people that you've interviewed on your podcast have really given me the courage to make that leap. Like it was fifth grade. It was during the pandemic. Uh, it was incredibly isolating and kind of scary time. And so books like Free to Learn and lots of other different ones really just helped me take that leap. So, yeah. I saw Free to Learn. I saw it in a stack on your Instagram just very yes. recently. I saw that one sitting there and I was like, oh, it's, that's one of my favorites. That's a game changer. You you mm-hmm. read that one. You can't go back after that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so reader be warned, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I remember thinking, you know, because I mentioned we were interested in animals and insects. And I remember thinking like, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to go to school and we could just learn about all of this stuff and raise butterflies and, you know, learn about what we can do to make a difference. And I finally was like, we can't, we can do this. And so we started um, Detroit Butterfly Nursery, yeah, which really has something that I've been doing with my daughter. And we have partnered with different organizations and to spread the word about, you know, community science projects and what people can do to make a difference and like really bringing awareness to that nature that's in your own backyard, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to go to, you don't have to go on these big adventures and go to all these, you know, nature trails and parks, just to step outside. And that was a huge inspiration for us getting that started. Tell us a little more about that. And people can find that right on Instagram, Detroit Butterfly Nursery. And you're at Mom Cat Kelly. People are looking, but tell us more about the Butterfly Nursery. Yeah, so we we started out at a flower farm in Detroit, and we initially it was a friend of ours had given us a monarch chrysalis, 
And we were just so, once we saw that butterfly emerge, you know, it's just, it's magic. It's magical. And we were hooked. And originally we started learning about like, well, how can we bring that to our backyard? And so we started a little pollinator garden and we started really learning about all the different native plants that support all these different native insects and how important they are. So it really, it started out as like, let's save the monarchs, but really it's so much bigger of a picture than that. And so we shifted to learning about community science projects like Journey North, where it's simple. You just report your observations when you see these, uh, you know, caterpillars and things in your area. And what other ones, like uh, we started learning about how to tag monarch butterflies Mm -hmm. through Monarch Watch. and And what a cool way, like what a cool way when you talk about why can't we just stay home and learn about insects all day? It's an interesting thing because you could learn all sorts of things through the study of one thing. If you do Monarch Watch, then that's geography. I mean, what a cool thing to follow the path. There's so much Absolutely. to learn there. There is so much to learn there. It's And it's not just so black and white like how we... You know, I went. To, I wasn't homeschooled, and so a lot of our journey in the beginning was unlearning those things, like right. looking at it as like this is math, this is science, this is social studies. No, this is like all right, together. But monarchs is all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we started learning more and creating gardens and spreading the word. And I guess in the beginning, like during the pandemic, it was just a lot of learning, and then after mm-hmm. that, it just evolved into reaching out to connecting with different organizations and doing events and out outreach and really in going into schools, um, we were doing presentations mm-hmm. and wow. um, sharing this with them. And so it really just kind of grew and grew and it's still growing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the last things we did was TEDx Detroit. We had a booth down there wow. and we gave away like literally thousands of milkweed seeds and um, oh. encouraged people to take pledges. Like I'm going to leave the leaves because leaf litter is habitat. It's not mm-hmm. you know something we should throw away. And so it's really become such a great learning experience for both of us and yeah, sharing that with cool others. cool way to do homeschool too, <laughs> to have all those experiences, all those interactions with the community, making that impact. And milkweed seeds in particular, those pods are oh. so cool and the seeds are so soft. They're yeah, really like, unique. The common milkweed seeds. And there's actually like 12 different species of milkweed that are native to Michigan. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, most people know the common because they're cool that, you know, they burst open, they're fluffed, the, uh, you know, yeah. they, they go crazy and everything. And that's the one actually that we, if you have a large property, we recommend that you plant that, but um, because it can get a little bit aggressive, but there's other varieties like we like swamp milkweed and butterfly weed, which are kind of prettier in terms of if you're adding them to your landscape or yeah. garden at home, they don't like take over as much as the yeah. common milkweed does. And the, the different wow. insects that they bring too, aside from monarchs. It's just- wow. Yeah, it's fascinating. The butterfly weed, I think, is one of my favorites. Is it little red and yellow and orange flowers on that one? It's little orange flowers and the leaves are like skinnier and it Mm -hmm. looks more like shrubby. And it's the only species that actually doesn't have that milky sap when you break the leaf. So, okay. um, So is this, it's amazing how much, you know, isn't it the coolest (laughs) thing? 
It is so cool because literally this has happened in such a short amount of time, but it's because I went out there and I learned with her. That's the big thing. It's like, you don't, and that's the message that we're trying to do with the library program too, is like, you don't have to know all of this. Like here Mm -hmm. are these resources, but the magic is learning together. And it's right. only been a few years. People are like, how do you know about this? I'm like, well, that's not my background. You know, my bachelor's right. is in studio art. I love art. And, uh, you know, but that kind of connects in too with my photography. So mm. a lot of what you'll see on our Instagram is just, you know, I'm going out at waking up at like six or seven thirty in the morning, going out in the garden being like, what am I going to find today? Like, this wow. is just, this lights me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a neat thing to be able to learn again. We talk about, you know, yeah. you have this childhood experience, but then you're sort of learning what you really love and what makes you tick. And part of it is what makes your child light up. And then you get to learn along with them. Like the fact that you know that there's 12 different kinds of milkweed. Yeah. I didn't know that. So <laughs> all sorts of amazing things to learn. You sent me in a couple questions. One of them sure. is, how did you hear about 1000 Hours Outside? And tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So we found you, I believe it was an internet search in the height of the pandemic. And it was, I had found your advent calendar, the outdoor advent calendar. And I was like, what a cool thing. Let's try this. So I cut it up and I put the little squares in a, in a mason jar. And every day we would pick Mm. something new to try. And it was just so incredibly fun. And it gave us something to look forward to at a time where you couldn't go out and do a lot. Right. And so we're learning all these cool things like, I don't know, ice globes and, you know, like, who yeah. knew? and it was just really an amazing way. It really opened my eyes to um, embracing the different seasons. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of where my journey got started because I, you know, in Michigan, like the winters, like, mm-hmm. no way. it's hard. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why. I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I wanna make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. It's really hard. And I don't have a lot of pictures of us outside when my daughter was little because I just, you know, and there were things I didn't know about like, well, I just wasn't dressed properly. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a huge part of it. And right. now back to like the advent calendar and getting outside and learning about the challenge, it really just opened my eyes to what I was missing and what I was kind of just shoving to the side, like mm. trying to get through the winter. No, like right. slow down, embrace the magic. And now we have things that we look forward to, like a lot of those things mm. in the advent calendar, a lot of the things that we've learned along the way have become traditions. You know, we yeah. look forward to it. I'm out there doing the frozen bubbles, right? Like, yeah. I yeah. can't wait for it to be like, I think it was seven degrees is like the magic, you know, number. Uh-huh. And I get excited. Which can you even imagine? That. <laughs> that is the thing. Like who says that? I no, can't wait for it to that? be seven degrees. But that's my story too, is that I really yeah. dreaded it. And then you have these things and it's always the most ironic thing to me when people say, oh, I want to come up and be in the snow because for so long I was like, I just want to leave. I want to move south. And you show these things and people are intrigued and they're like, oh, I want to come try those different things. And I even saw that you brought, well, what's really unique is that you have brought this to your library. Yes. So can you talk about that? I saw just even recently a post and it had the advent calendar on it and you have a solstice walk coming. Yeah. So really how that happened was, so we did, you know, we were doing the advent calendar during that time and I was posting pictures online. Like every day I would post a picture of what we were doing and it caught the attention of the library. And a friend of mine, Melissa, she's a youth librarian there. She, you know, we were in one day and she was like, what do you, what would you think about doing a thousand hours program? And I'm like, that would be so amazing. Like what an awesome way to be able to share this with more people and connect with people in the community. So we're like, let's do it. <laughs> so we we planned an open house for, I think it was December. Yeah. So last year, December, we planned an open house where we had the trackers that people could grab and learn more about the challenge. We did like uh, leaf confetti. We did, you know, nature journals and just, you know, hosted a big kind of launch. And then from there, we met and just planned um, monthly events, you know, each mm-hmm. each month, just a couple of things. And it was just, it's so simple and so fun. Yeah. And what attracted, what was attractive for the library was that, you know, it's low cost. It's right. easy to to do and it's really connecting with the community in these ways and, and getting them outdoors and it just has been such a great success we've had so much fun we've done everything from celebrating i think the big favorite was celebrating mud day 
<laughs> over oh, the summer. Yes. Um, oh my goodness. We just brought in like a big kiddie pool, filled it with uh, tap wow. soil and water and just a um, bunch of different like pine cones and bark and nature materials and let the kids just have at it. And and a lot of it was also sharing, you know, ways to get involved in, like I mentioned, the community science aspects. So mm-hmm. you know, one month we would do these monthly evening walks. So it would appeal to all eight. We try to do right. stuff for all different ages. Ah, that's so cool. Yeah, we would do these evening walks um, once a month. And so like different topics, like in, um, I think it was January, February last year, we did birding. Mm -hmm. So I talked about eBird and all the, like the different apps that you can use while you're out there to, um, you know, to learn and because you don't have to know everything. So um, we did so many fun things. And I think there was, it was an outdoor yoga and, uh, we're just, everything was outside and it's just wow. been so well received and so much fun to do. We're already planning next year. Yeah. And I'm hoping to come. Yeah. Our that would be really cool. It's going to be in, uh, in December here, we're going to do a lantern mm-hmm. walk and, uh, have hot cocoa and just really celebrate the year. So. It's really a unique thing because it's a a way to build community, like you said, through the library in a way that's a little different because I remember when I would go to the library to the indoor programs, especially when my kids were young, it was a little hectic (laughs) because you're trying to kind of corral your kids and it was hard to build community in that space, I think, because it was a little more trying to make sure that everyone was like doing what they were supposed to do and all these types of things. So. Sure. Or they're like, shh, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The community like aspect of it. Yeah. But then all of these topics, like when you're talking about butterflies, you're talking about birds, you're talking about mud, they all have so many books that you could check out from the library to take home and read about those different topics. Yes. Yes. And that is something. So one of the things too, that um, we did was we took the the kickoff pack that you made and it has like the adventure prompts and the book lists and they printed right. like a copy front and back. And every month we would have that in the library for That's people so cool. to take as well, um, which was such a, there's so many great resources out there, you right. know, it's just getting it into the library and getting it into the hands yeah. of people and, and letting them know that this is something simple and fun and it's, it will change your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of taking it to the library and it builds community and it helps people to realize all the different types of books that are out there, maybe even different topics that they wouldn't have normally checked books out about, but then there's just so many great things. Okay. I saw something on your Instagram that you got to hear (laughs) teacher Tom speak. Teacher Tom is one of my favorites, like in person. I know. Yes, he is one of my favorites as well. Like, so I had said my background is kind of early childhood. Um, You know, for the last 10 years, I taught prior to the pandemic, I taught baby sign language classes and story times, which is another reason why I had a connection with the library already an existing Mm -hmm. relationship. So I did that for many years. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, I made the tough decision to close my classroom door. Mm-hmm. But I still was very passionate. So I kind of just dove headfirst into like professional development and learning about like the magic of play and right. and nature-based learning. And so I actually took a part-time, I work part-time now for a uh, as a nature specialist for a child care center. So I've been helping them develop their outdoor classroom spaces and um, bringing in nature experiences like we planted fennel. So that's a host plant for the 
the Eastern Black Swallowtails. So the mm-hmm. caterpillars came and um, the kids wow. got to watch them grow. So anyway, this experience or this chance I got to go see Teacher Tom was through the child care center. A group of us went and um, we went to the conference and it was just awesome. <laughs> Wow. So amazing. Yeah. yeah. You're doing so many things, but you have this wide, it's like a wide net. You got the sighing time, you got the library, you got the Detroit Butterfly Nursery, you got this nature specialist, you're helping with their outdoor space. And that's just really encouraging that uh-huh. we can take our life and do a lot of different things that sort of surround what we love and surround our children, what they love. That's a really encouraging thing. Thank you. Yeah, it, it kind of, it's all, they all have that one thing in common though, that all these small changes that we can make in our lives. So whether that's like planting native plants or mm-hmm. making time for play or making time to prioritize outside, like all these little things are going to make a huge difference in your life. Yeah, that's so encouraging. So Kelly, if people want to find you, you're at MomCat Kelly, and you really do post so many informative, inspiring, and then you've got your photography, which is really cool too. And then the Detroit Butterfly Nursery is at Detroit Butterfly Nursery. When you did your sign language, it was with Rachel? Was it with Rachel and the tree schoolers? Was that it? Is that signing time? (laughs) So signing time. So I was a signing time academy instructor. Wow. So it's like the educational division of Two Little Hands Productions, which, you know, produces the signing time videos. Mm-hmm. And so I ran, it was my own small business. It was MomCat Signing Academy. So that's why you say wow. the, you see the MomCat Kelly on there. Yeah. But yeah, and I actually work closely with Rachel too, because I, I used to be the associate director of the Signing Time Academy. So what? I would help. I would help uh, with the onboarding of new instructors. I did that for a few years and I, it was very hard, but I think I did it for about seven years and I I stepped down to pursue um, other avenues and the nature education and things like that. But uh, I love my time with Signing Time Academy. Yeah. That is really neat. That was a big part of our childhood here. Our kids love those videos. They really helped when our kids were young to be able to sign some of the different common things and they love the videos. I mean, I could probably, I wouldn't, yeah. but like still sing a bunch of the songs. Oh, we still, we still do. Like it yeah. still comes up, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, it's, this is really funny. Like on my phone when I start the car and I still haven't figured out because I love all of these things, but na- tech stuff, I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. And I still, when I turn my car on and it, it still like connects to the car and it plays the baby <laughs> time song because it's on my playlist that I can't figure out how to switch it off. <laughs> I've got that's I mean, amazing. The baby signing time once yeah. and your daughter's 12 and that's like the best oh, thing yeah. ever. I love oh that. But gosh. her songs are really catchy. She did we such did a beautiful go, yeah. job. And I love that you have that connection there too. If you were to give someone a little instruction on how could they bring what you did to their library, what would be your advice? Oh, boy. I would say contact your library and tell them, I mean, just your enthusiasm and your passion will shine through. And, you know, it's just as simple as like, if you're doing the challenge with your family, like that's what I was doing. And I was just mm-hmm. sharing what I was doing. Um, You'd be surprised if you, how receptive places would be just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I just was on a, a call a week or two ago with the American Library Association. It was part of a book launch through a certain publisher and so they were sharing the books that were coming out and I was a part of that as well and I've talked to this librarian several times in Kentucky and so there's interest there and like you said if it's bringing people in it's helping them build community right in their area and then it's leading them to check out books on new topics it seems like it's a win a win-win-win that's for sure like you said kind of low cost you know mud mud is low 
low cost. Certain things can right. be really low and, cost. And simple and really appealing to all ages too. You yeah. know, um, we're hoping this year to expand to be able to offer more days and times too, because that was one of the things that we kind of the yeah. feedback that we've gotten so far is like, so we were doing like wild Wednesdays, you know, yeah, and we were trying to stick with like certain days. Um, but obviously there was just the three of us, so we could only do so much. But we're now, you know, the library was doing even outdoor story times. And I was like, I well, can, that. We, can we keep those? Because I in the beginning, that was just because that's the only thing they could do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so now moving forward, I think like that's been a personal kind of challenge of mine or or, or just what I want to do is try to encourage people that now that things are opening up to not go back Mm -hmm. to that. You know, like these are things that we've learned that are so beneficial and we want to keep doing this. Right. So keeping that that outdoor story time, you know, in rotation and bringing in different people from the community too. Like I was talking to a friend of mine who's who does um, park ranger story time. Let's bring oh, her that's in. A great like, idea. You know, so the, yeah. the possibilities are endless to connect with all of these people that are doing amazing things in, in mm-hmm. their community and right. bringing it to this one hub, the library. Yes, I was talking to someone this morning who does survival skills and he does classes for kids as young as four but a lot of them are for kids that are six and up and it's how to carve a wooden spoon. How neat would that be? That's all so these cool. different, And then he's got a huge resource list. It's all books, all sorts yeah. of games that you can play outside and survival games and foraging and birding and all of these different things. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to learn. It's really exciting. So if people are in the area that live in our area, the GPPL, the Gross Point Public Library, the GPPL, that's their Instagram yeah. to where they can go and find information there. Kelly, this has been awesome. I'm so glad we've connected here and I know that we're going to connect in person here one of these days. We end our podcast with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours. Oh boy. So one of my favorites, it's, it's simple. It's we growing up, we had this deck off the back of our house and it was kind of fenced in a little bit, but there was a, a way that I could get in with, with my friends. And I remember it had this like tiny, like that peat gravel, you know, mm-hmm. and it was our little like hideaway. We would play in there. We'd wow. make mud pies and it was just wow. kind of a little secret hideout. Wow. place that we'd love to go and it just stands out to me yeah those are like the best parts of childhood well kelly yeah. thank you so much for your time for your inspiration and for the cool things that you're doing <laughs> with the butterfly nursery with your library and with your homeschool i think people are going to be uh-huh. really encouraged by that too that you jumped in you, you feel a little shaky but so does everyone And I think that someone would be able to hear even just this 20 minute conversation and see all that's come out of it because you made the leap and it's opening up all sorts of educational opportunities for you and your daughter. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for having me. This is fun.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.